HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Hearst Ranch, the nation's largest single-source supplier of free-range, all-natural, grass-fed, and grass-finished beef. For more information, visit HearstRanch.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Good afternoon and welcome. This is What Doesn't Kill You, Food Industry Insights with me, your host, Katie Kiefer. And on the phone with me today, I am so happy to welcome the extraordinary Paul Willis of Nyman Ranch Pork. Um, Mr. Willis, uh, who I can't believe hasn't been on this network before, but I don't think you have, is, the f- is of course, the manager of the Nyman Ranch Pork Company. He's a former Peace Corps volunteer. Of course, he's a father, a grandfather, a husband, but mostly a community advocate, a sustainability expert. He testifies in front of Congress. He is the owner and operator of Willis Free Ranch Pig Farm, and he is a Global Animal Partnership board member. Welcome to the program, Paul Willis. I've been thinking of names for you all morning as I rode out here on the subway, and I've decided that you are the high priest of hog production, the (laughs) prince of pork. (laughs) Uh, That's a uh, that's a good one. I like that, right? <laughs> high priest of pork production, or high priest of hog farming. Actually, I think that was the one that I really liked because I, <laughs> I love that alliterative thing. But anyway, welcome to the show. Thank you so so much for joining me today. Um, you know, pork is a lot in the news right now because of the big uh, uh, sale of the Smithfield Company to a Chinese company called Shuanghui, um, which is still kind of it seems to be going through. But uh, but anyway, pork has been much on my mind, and who better to talk about the industry? than the one and only Paul Willis. So can you just start us off? You started working with Bill Nyman, I think, in 1995, I read, but you had already been farming hogs yourself, um, and you had had a good look at industrial farming practices. Why don't you give us a little history of how that whole sort of confined area uh, hog farming production model came about and sort of what prompted you to, you know, say no to that and on to something much more sustainable? Okay, uh, Katie, I... I, you're right. I was raising outdoor raised pigs, uh, free range pigs, if you will, and um, the, these uh, concentrated animal feeding operations really started with chickens, right? And the embroiler business, and uh, 
egg business and so on, you know, and then people started thinking about, well, you know, we can do this to other species. And then that was the, that was the advent of, of uh, confined animal feeding operations for pigs. Mm-hmm. And they started putting pigs in buildings um, um, in large numbers. Um, in some cases, they they had lagoons outside the buildings. Oh yeah. And uh, and then uh, later on, and today, most of the manure liquid manure systems are underneath the buildings. There's a slatted floor, and this, and typically a building will have maybe 2,500 pigs in it. Right. But anyway, I um, I just. I went in a couple of these buildings, and it just was not anything that appealed to me uh, whatsoever. <laughs> I didn't see anything that there was better than what I was uh, doing now. Yeah. And um, actually, we were uh, we were starting to be discriminated against in the marketplace because our pigs um, didn't yield as much because they had... Uh, and the yield is the carcass weight compared to the live weight. Yeah. And our pigs had a larger uh, body cavity because they had bigger lungs, bigger organs, and so forth. You know, oh, wow. How interesting. Outdoors and, they, eh, eh. and that, um, and, and so there was a little difference there. Then the other thing is that there was a, there was a uh, competition with chicken to have a lean product, and so the other white meat. Yes. And producing a leaner pig um, was happening. And that was what, in the and early 1990s that they started uh, running that program? I remember it was around for a I, long I, time. I would say something like that, right. In, uh, prior to, you know, the time that I started Nyman Ranch Pork Company. Right, and that was 1995. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the... the uh, the pork actually was becoming dry, tasteless, and and um, you know not very palatable. And then that led to the advent of uh, of uh, enhanced pork products, where they would inject a liquid solution and so on to in flavor and things like that. Oh, let's talk became, about that for a second. Back up for just a sec there, because that's something new to me. What do you mean they were, so they were injecting them with, with fluid, like a brine solution? or that, Yeah, exactly, uh-huh. exactly. Uh-huh, very interesting. Yeah. And, and so and, that would add to the carcass weight, that would add to the weight at the supermarket. It adds to the weight, and uh, you're actually injecting uh, what they consider flavor. <laughs> you know, well, we were trying well, to produce salt. this, our you know, naturally, and our, anyway, I, I just it didn't appeal to me, and I had seen that that poultry was being marketed as free range, and and people were paying more, and mm-hmm. primarily because it tasted better. Yeah, sure. And uh, why not free range pigs? And so, really, I started looking for a market, and it took me a number of years, really. Uh, to find uh, somebody like Bill Nyman that understood that I was raising pigs, not pork chops. So you had to buy the whole animal. You know, you had to right. buy all of it and figure out how to market all of it. Interesting. Well, that's what and, Patrick Martins does at Heritage Foods USA. <clears throat> Same yeah, thing. Yeah, I know Pat. I know Patrick. Sure, and, you do. And similar. Yep, absolutely. So, um, so when you started out, uh, it was just your farm, and then you have gradually acquired partners in this, or, or contractors, I guess I should say. How do you, how how would you characterize we, the farmers? The Nyman Ranch Pork Company is is a co op like uh, organization. Mm-hmm. It's 
owned by the farmers and by Nyman Ranch Inc. Uh-huh. And um, as they sell pigs, they've invested in the company and capitalized the pork company. We use the money to buy our own pigs. Right. Um, Do you have a breeding program know, also? Well, uh, so we have Nyman Ranch farmers. We have field agents that go to our farms. Uh, we work with our farmers because we have high animal welfare standards. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, they're raised with no antibiotics, no meat products, you know, protocol that we've developed uh, based on what we think is the right way to do it and what consumers want. And so we have a network of about 500 farmers. Wow. That's a lot of and people. Yeah. So there are a lot of small farmers. We have a lot of Amish farmers. Mm. Um, in, I've never wanted to discriminate against the small farmers. We, we actually have Nyman Ranch farmers that are high school kids. Oh, that's fantastic. That do this, uh, you know, on a, as a small uh, project. Uh huh. So, in other and, words, they could raise as few as as ten or twenty hogs. They could. Uh huh. They could. We like to have a minimum of five delivered, and we have we have oh. delivery points every week, different places around the country. Uh huh. And and we coordinate all this. It doesn't it doesn't happen with a lot of plan without a lot of planning of and uh, coordination. So. You know, if you have pigs to sell, we need to know ahead of time when they'll be ready for market and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, how they can be put on a truck and go to the packing plant. Right. And there's not. Sorry, do yeah. you guys own your own packing plant? You're not vertically integrated in that way, are you? Well, uh, the uh, Nyman Ranch is actually owned by Natural Foods Holding Company, and they also own the packing plant. I see. Okay, very cool. And actually works out very well. Yeah. Because the, the plant is really. Uh, which was Supreme Pack is a, is really a middle sized plant, and they have the expertise to really do the specialty work that we need for the, all the varied custo- customers we have throughout the country. Right, and so your customers are primarily grocery stores at this point, or still restaurants? Oh, we still have uh, uh, hundreds of restaurants throughout the country. So we have food service, uh, retail, uh, both. Um, and, um, we have a network of distributors throughout the country. So, Mm -hmm. in fact, initially it was primarily in the Bay Area and kind of expanded to New York a little more, but now we have, we have distribution, uh, in most parts of the country. Yeah, I definitely seen your label in grocery stores everywhere I've traveled for sure. Um, so let's let's talk for just a second about the five step program or the five point program that you developed that your farmers use. Do you think that that, I mean, does your program is it scalable up to sort of the numbers of a bigger hog producing concern? Well, uh, first of all, uh, the GAP program they have their own standards. Uh-huh. And actually, they're very closely based on what our standards were, are, are, you know, and we have our own standards as well. So they, they overlap and fit very well. And the, the steps one through five are light years above what factory farming would be. Well, so you it doesn't have... allow... Go ahead, sir. Sorry. I mean... Factory farming doesn't fit into those five steps at all. <laughs> well, one of the steps seems to be that the animals are allowed so, to walk around and socialize. <laughs> so we know that's well, not yeah, <laughs> you, you know, you can look up 
on the on the Global Animal Partner website and see exactly what each phase is. Uh-huh. But there are many things, you know, and um, you know the sows have to be able to build nests, and and uh, for example, and you have uh, uh, daylight, uh, natural daylight, you pasture raised, you know, and the, the better, the more things you do, the higher your rating is, and the very highest steps are like non-castration and slaughter on the farm and things like that. Now, for us, that's probably not going to happen. Right. I mean, it's not it's not practical. To, it's, not, it's not even particularly safe if you're selling to the public, is it? I mean, don't you have to... Well, re- there, there's a couple observe? people that do it, you know, and uh, and uh, it, it it's not unachievable, but the steps... Uh, our, most of our farmers fall into steps one, two, and three, uh-huh. you know, and, uh, you know, so, uh, like I said, that's still a very high animal welfare levels. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about drugs and pork production. Cause you, uh, have managed to produce, you know, quite a lot of pigs without using antibiotics or growth promotants. Um, and I know that you testified in front of Congress about this matter. So what do you think Congress took away from your testimony? I mean, do you think that they're likely to to pass that PAMTA Act that uh, Representative Louise Slaughter has been advocating for for so long? Well, first of all, let me just clarify. I I was a hearing with uh, uh, Louise Slaughter, and, and it was it was really more of a of a staffer type of a situation. Oh, I mm-hmm. And I, I was there along with uh, other companies that were producing product. We were there to, to show that there are companies out here that are being successful and uh, using products from animals that have not been fed to antibiotics. Right. Basically to show that you can do it. Yeah, but I mean, the thing is, is can you do it on a really big scale? And and that's why I wanted to bring up that whole sort of Danish program in in, the, in uh, Europe that banned antibiotics for growth promotion purposes. And then they had a little dip in production or they had a, a spike in illness or something like that. And then it kind of evened out in the end. And, and Denmark, of course, is a huge producer of hogs. And, and I'm just curious why uh, there's so much pushback from the pork industry um, against the idea of withdrawing antibiotics more or less completely from their protocols in CAFOs. I don't. I guess they can't really do that, right? Is that the problem? Well, it's a uh, it's a good crutch for for uh, having a lot of animals in a, a small area. Mm-hmm. But they seem and to be able to do this in Denmark. So I'm curious why we can't do it. I here. think it can be done, and it just <laughs> change uh, change comes hard. They don't want to, and it's a commodity business, right? And which is just based on pounds, how many how many pounds uh, you can crank through that facility, right? You know, and uh, you know the, I, you know some of the some of the progressive companies are really maybe trying to to address this, right? But I think until it really is a hard law. Um, you know they're they're just not going to do it. Volunteer. So so you don't uh, think compliance that... isn't going. You know right. we do it because it's part of our label. It's right. something our customers want. Right. We've been we went to this uh, no antibiotics at all. A never ever program. We uh, probably over ten years ago. Uh huh. Be- because I mean we market to places like Whole Foods and right. uh, and but, um, but... I remember talking to customers and. They couldn't understand no subtherapeutic 
antibiotics, they, they, people don't understand what you're talking about. <laughs> I think they're starting to. I mean, I think there's been enough uh, controversy about this in mainstream media. And certainly it's something that I have bored my listeners to death with um, because I have interviewed, you know, experts, scientists, meat industry people, I mean, over and over again about this subject. So I'm, it's something that I feel really strongly about. Um, and I'm curious, like what, so if you have an animal that is sick and you have the never ever program, how do you manage disease? I mean, isn't it more humane to give an animal antibiotics or do you have other methods of curing uh, common ailments of the swine? Well, yes, there's many, um, uh, many uh, ways of uh, uh, treating a problem, a disease or like flu, we can give them aspirin. Oh, really? You know? <laughs> that seems pretty simple, doesn't it? Um, let yeah. me ask you I mean, this. it comes in a liquid form. You put it in the water and yeah. they, they feel better and then they eat and drink and they, they get through it a lot quicker. Amazing, you know, uh, and that's a that's lot just cheaper one, one too. One example, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. antibiotics are expensive. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, aspirin is quite cheap. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and also we encourage our farmers to have a uh, a vaccination program that fits their farm. Uh-huh. Um, and a vaccination is an uh, immunization, and that you know that's not an antibiotic. That's right. A, uh, and so, um. You know, our farmers do diagnostic work, uh, see what their problems are, and try and address things that way. Sure, absolutely. Uh, and let me ask you this, because I know you know a lot about this, but why is it that nobody discusses the role that pharmaceuticals play in trying to... I mean, I I'm, I don't know this for a fact, but I can't imagine that they are not heavily invested in continuing these antibiotic programs. So why isn't that coming up more often, um, sort of the role of pharmaceutical lobbyists and whatnot in front of Congress when it comes to doing things like passing the PAMTA legislation or or legislation that uh, Senator Henry Waxman introduced last year that's kind of similar? I mean, is is it wrong to assume that they have a vested interest in this and, and thus are lobbying heavily? I don't heavily? think so. <laughs> <laughs> I know, you know, 80% of the antibiotics used in this country are going to animal production. Well, uh, you know, there are many who would dispute that fact. And, um, you know, I, to me, it's like it's sort of moot. The point is, is that we've developed these multidrug resistant pathogens. And I don't really care how that happened. But I do know that one thing that must stop is, you know, subtherapeutic use of antibiotics. So um, it's sort of like global warming. Is it man-made or is it, you know, natural? Who cares? It's happening, Right. It's kind of a similar situation. Um, well, I guess if that's a stretch, I don't know. <laughs> but it's like I, that kind of mindset. You know what I mean? It's like who cares what's well, causing? Well, uh, somebody's it? selling a lot of uh, antibiotics in, in their manufacturing, and that's you know that's how they make their living, and there's a lot of money in it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so, so then they're not going to probably promote using less of it. Yeah, that's my thought. It's like, how are you guys yeah, it, ever going to get out from under this in terms of you know uh, concentrated? You know, but feeding? I mean. Uh, uh, but if we if we look at the bigger picture, then those decisions have to be made. Yes, you would you know? think and that they that's would why want you have to, things but... like government and laws, you know, to um, to address these things and look look at the big picture. Yeah, but which Paul, is, doesn't you know, the that... overall health? You know, 
Yes, the overall health. You, you would think that Congress would have that in mind, but alas, no, they don't seem to because uh, we're in the grip, the death grip of the worst Congress in the history of the United States where no legislation is allowed to pass, especially one that might conceivably result in less money for certain uh, you know, corporate entities. Um, but let's talk a little bit about how you have managed to maintain profitability without using drugs and what it would take for a bigger company to... You know, what would it cost them, for instance, to stop using drugs? Would they lose uh, a lot more animals? Would their, uh, you know, feed to muscle conversion happen more slowly and thus they would cost more money to raise the animal? I mean, you managed to make it work. How come Smithfield can't? Well, I don't know that they can't. However, that is the commodity business. And, And one of the things that I tried to do from the from the get-go, uh, is is uh, distancing myself and how we raise pigs from the from the commodity world as far as possible. Right. Sure. And that's course. why we've asked for an animal welfare uh, certification program. No antibiotics, uh, even the different kind of genetically a different kind of an animal. All those things to distance. So we really have a different product. That's true. And we have people that are willing to pay it because it tastes better, uh-huh. and uh, and they don't want to they don't want to eat animals that are grown under stress conditions right. and uh, have to be fed these uh, these kind of things to keep them alive. Right. So so it's a it's I think the way we've been able to do it is we have people that taste the product and they understand the story about what Nyman Ranch is about. Right. And and, and uh, you know they want to support that. Sure. And we have examples of, uh, uh, as I was talking about testifying, uh, Chipotle Mexican Grill is a customer of ours. That's right. And, yeah. And they, you know, so and they're not outrageously priced. They're very reasonable. And oh yeah, one of those burritos a meal for two people. You know, absolutely. And and uh, so it it my my thing is not to eat more, but eat better. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, you tell your story. Yes. You have, you know, you have people uh, that want this and they're willing to support it. How much more does your product cost? Yeah, absolutely. But how much more in the supermarket, if I were buying uh, two Nyman Ranch uh, loin pork chops versus two Smithfield pork chops, how big a difference in price would it be? It it could be double. It could be 10% more. I don't know. It varies from one place to another. Uh So it really varies. But in terms of like what you sell your carcasses at, um, well, I guess it doesn't really apply to you. Yeah. And I mean, you know how we've made it profitable. We pay our farmers more. Uh Uh-huh. You know, uh, they're raising something special. Yes. We always pay the best price, and then and we have a floor price, and it's generally our price is based so much over uh, commodity. But if the commodity price really goes down, we have a floor pli- uh, price that, you know, to protect our farmers from sure. real debt economic devastation. Right. Well, I mean, pork so production back- has certainly taken a hit because corn prices went up so high. Isn't that true? Well, that's that's a big issue. And, yeah. you know, our animals also, uh, you know, they they need feed and it's expensive. And, and it's this is an, an entirely another another issue is the the ethanol, along with the drought we've had the last couple right. of years. 
Yeah, farming ain't so easy. It's a, it, it's a challenge, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, what do you think of, um, we only have a couple minutes left, unfortunately, Paul, But and I hope you'll come back because obviously there's a ton more I can ask you. But what... Um, one thing I've been curious about, and, and I've had quite a few discussions with Dr. Richard Raymond, who has been a guest on this program several times, and um, about the drug ractopamine, which I know has been banned in many, many countries, maybe as many as 60. Um, and I know that some of our trading partners won't accept our pork because of the use of ractopamine. Why, why haven't we banned it? It's, it's bad for the animals. It, it makes them sick. I, I don't understand why that's continuing to be part of the production model. Do you think that's more, being phased more out? Pounds, more pounds through the system. Right. And that's all it's it is. All about, it's all about the commodity world and, and cranking out pounds. And the, the right. quality is, is not even considered. <laughs> okay, so let's move on because I want to talk just briefly with you about the Smithfield purchase. What do you think about that? Well, we live in a global economy, and I, I, think, I think we're going to see things like this. I don't think it'll necessarily be bad. Uh-huh. I, uh, different companies are owned by different uh, investment groups, sure. if you will. Yep. You know, and as long as, and I, I consider this part of my position too, uh, be, you know, and even Nyman Ranch has had different ownership, but the, sure. my, one of my roles is to keep, on, keep Nyman Ranch and the, the integrity of what we do, keep it on track. Right, you right. Know? And so do you feel that Smithfield will be able to, um, you know, keep their quote-unquote integrity on track uh, once they're owned by this Chinese company, which has a very dubious uh, food safety record? Well, I would think so. I mean, what would be the point of another company billion buying dollars. a company and then re- reducing their, <laughs> you know, <laughs> making them worse? I, 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 I you know, that would be something you, you, you know, you'd have to ask somebody from that company that you're talking about. I'm actually going to be you know? asking Raul Baxter, who used to work for Smithfield and is, you know, sort of an industry spokesman um, about we're doing a whole program about mm-hmm. this. Um, you which, can talk to the talk to the company itself, I would think. Oh, sometimes. But, you know, then you kind of get the party line. So it's not quite as, yeah. you know, I'm more so interested. I, I mean, I, I, I can't really answer for Okay. I just thought I'd float it by you. I mean, you are, after all, the high priest of pork production. So, (laughs) (laughs) And with that, my friend, Mm -hmm. I'm afraid we have to close here. But, um, Paul, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. Um, Do you have a website or anything that you want to tell people about before we say goodbye? Uh, Mm NimanRanch.com. It's got a great story. N-I-M-A-N Ranch. Yep. Uh, And, uh, you know, you can, uh, people can go there and they can see... uh, pictures of the farm and how we raise things and things about the standards and so on, you know? Yes. I think it's good and, for people uh, to see those standards. So it, uh, yes. Yeah. And th- thank you for having me on. I hope you'll come back, Paul. We have lots to talk about. I mean, I'm fascinated by the whole, the sort of, you know, industrial production, I think is a, um, it's not going to go away. And so my goal uh, in this radio program over the last few years is to try to bring some sense of, of conversation between industrialized production and specialized production so that we can increase the, you know, the quality of industrial production um, while still maintaining, you know, 
some sense of fairness about what it takes to run a big company like Smithfield. Anyway, I'm getting off track here, but um, but you know what I'm saying. I just I want people yeah, to talk. I don't happy, I don't want that too. polarization. That'd be great. So um, thank you again. This has been an episode of What Doesn't Kill You, Food Industry Insights. As always, you can listen to me uh, live. You can listen on the archive, and you can listen on iTunes. And remember to go to our pledge page, people, and support this radio station. We're the only ones doing what we do. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.